Hey, it's Chris Jones with The Jones Zone, and this episode of the podcast is brought to you by The Jones Zone at Keller Williams Realty. That's right. We sponsor our own podcast. So if you know of anybody looking to buy, sell, rent, or invest in residential real estate in the Charlotte, Rock Hill, Fort Mill area, have them connect with us on their favorite platform. Enjoy the show. It's Chris and Brian Jones, your real estate advocates, community connectors, talking Charlotte and York County area real estate, and interviewing business owners, entrepreneurs, and community leaders. Welcome to the Jones Zone Podcast. All right, you ready? Yes, do it. All right, Brian, count me down. We got three, two, two one. One. Every time. Start over. Okay. Three, <laughs> two. two one. One, and welcome to the Jones Zone Podcast. Thanks for counting me down, Brian. Yep. How's your day been? My day's been great. What have you been doing? What's it to you? What? I'm just curious. I'm making small talk. What Working you out, you know? Working out? Networking? Networking? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're always trying to, like, you feel like I'm not pulling my weight. <laughs> so you're always, like, what, you're checking in on me. No, I'm just asking you. Make a small talk, Look at this guy. That's what I do, man. Just uh, seeing how it's going. Um, all right, today let's go ahead and get into it. We got some interesting guests today. We have James Matthews and Thomas Johnson Bean, TJB, with Blueprint. Uh, Blueprint is a full service advisory firm that empowers young professionals as they begin to build their careers, engage entrepreneurial pursuits, and enjoy the process of growing a family. Did I say entrepreneurial right? Yes. Good. Yes. There's a couple uh, ways you can say that there. Entrepreneur. You can say entrepreneur. 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 Like manure. Yeah. Manure. Manure. Entrepreneur. A few different ways. It's true. Um, as members of Blueprint, clients experience a unique process to ensure they are well-informed when they make decisions early on in life concerning the purchase of homes, cars, repaying student loans, building savings, traveling, protecting income, and more. James Matthews, TJB. Welcome to the Jones Zone, man. Good to see you. Thanks for, Thank having, you for us. having us. Great to be here. All right. So um, that was a real quick, brief introduction about what you guys do and uh, what Blueprint's all about. But if you don't mind, share a little bit of, of your guys' personal story, how you got to, to where you are, and then what all Blueprint entails. Sure. Um, this is James. I, uh, I started my career in financial services in 2005. Sounds like a long time ago now. Yeah, right. yeah dude. Um, but came up working for a bank. Um, so I've been in front of clients for like 13 years now and really enjoyed working with people and helping them make decisions. And took a little bit of a tangent after eight years of that, um, working in the corporate education space uh, for a company here in town, working with participants in their retirement plans and teaching them all about all the different aspects of personal finance and was brought on to Blueprint in February to lead similar initiatives here and look forward to working with all of our members and giving them education about all the different personal finance topics that are out there that young people have concerns about today. There's lots of them and we've heard from our generation that they really just don't feel like the traditional financial services firms have done a great job of reaching out to them and providing the types of services that they need. And so we want to step in there and kind of fill the void and deliver those level of services to our clients. Very cool, man. TJB, what about you? Started in the business July 2005. I was uh, at Davidson College here locally, and as I was kind of pursuing my thesis, I knew what I wanted to do. So I got licensed as an insurance advisor, started with a company called Bankers Life and Casualty, 
spent ten and a half years with them as a producer, a manager, rose up the ranks to being a unit supervisor, helped them build a national sales training program called the Top Gun Program. We brought all advisors from across the country to Chicago, did workshops, training, helped them develop through their second year. And then I left to pursue my own firm, um, built it up called Life Legacy Insurance and Financial Education and Consolidated Planning, which is the um, the firm that owns Blueprint, was the partner that I decided to link up with. And after a year of being there, the CEO of uh, Consolidated Planning said, you know what, we're starting a firm called Blueprint, um, really targeted toward your demographic, the, the age that you're working with already, um, the people who are a good fit for the Life brand. How about you come over as, as managing director of advisor growth and help us build it? And so here I am. And so what does Blueprint actually do? I mean, what are some of the products and services you, you guys provide? Who are some of the demographics that you guys work with? Um, I think I mentioned that you know it's mainly for young professionals, but what all do you guys do? I mean, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Sure. I would say we're on a mission to help young professionals learn how to use their money to support whatever their ideal lifestyle looks like. That we think that, and we've, we've heard this again from other folks in our age band, that people understand they need to be doing things with their money, right? They get the idea of when they start their first job, they've got employee benefits decisions to make, they know they should start saving for retirement, but they've got student loans, they've got all this other stuff going on. And so what we really want to help people focus on is getting organized first and foremost, to get their arms around what they have. <coughs> really regardless of where they are from a life stage standpoint. If they're just starting out, if they've been in a career a while, maybe they've just gotten married, so they're combining their finances with a spouse. Getting that organizational piece in place first and then helping them go through the exercise of putting the right steps in the right order to start putting the pieces together to be building out toward whatever their goals are. And it's important for us as we go through this process of teaching them the importance of each of these steps as we go as well as um, helping them determine what their goals even are. Because you talk to a lot of people, they have these really abstract ideas about future goals, whether it's retirement or whether it's you know, putting their kids through college or buying a house or whatever these things are, but they're just that, they're abstract. Um, part of that is, for young people, that stuff's way far into the future a lot of the time. And they've never really stopped to put a lot of thought into the specifics. And so we really want to start there with people and, and taking them through some exercises to help them get really clear on what they want. And once we can do that then, we can start helping them align their cash flow and align their different pieces of whatever financial life they've accumulated so far to point back toward those goals and point back toward those things that are important to them. And at the end of the day, we want to make people feel comfortable. I mean, we've we're dealing with a generation of folks, this next generation of, you know, quote unquote millennials who have been a little bit maligned when it comes to the resources and the things that they've done because they've done everything right, but because of the way that they've done them, they're, they're being um, categorized as, as being lazy or not being savers or, or being frivolous spenders, all these things. And I, I keep telling all my clients, you know, you did everything the right <coughs> way. You went to school. It just so happens that the amount of debt that you had to take on is enormous compared to your parents and your grandparents. You bought your first home. It just so happens that you had no down payment and other people had to save up a lot of money, so now you're taking on a bigger mortgage. You started a family at a young age. Other people started at a young age, but now you're in a position where there's higher costs. So all of these things, we've got to peel back the layers and make people feel comfortable. And We talk about our new space uptown being a judgment-free zone. 
So if you come in, you feel like there's none of the pretentiousness of a, um, a firm that has the, um, the old school rhetoric or, or, or ideas of you know, traditional financial planning being a suit and tie kind of space. We want people to feel comfortable. So does someone need a bunch of money to get started with you guys? I mean, it sounds like you service a wide array of, of clientele. Can someone come to you with little or no money and still get good stuff from you guys? You know what I mean? Like Absolutely, because it's, it's a philosophy. It's not a transaction. It's a relationship. Right. And going back to the goals, do you guys teach that SMART acronym? You know, specific, measurable, must take action, or what's the A stand for? Uh, action. Uh, I don't know. Action results. Results and, and time. Yeah, time. and then the time. You yeah. can tell we we do our right. <laughs> I think, you know, I think it, it's broader than that in the sense of, you know, for me at least working with clients, it's really more about what their vision is. It's really getting them to, you know, really stop and think about the details of what those goals are. And goals is a scary word for a lot of people, I think. I, You know, a goal really is nothing more than an idea or a guess, right, when you break it down. And I think sometimes people are hesitant to commit to a goal because once it's a goal and it's real, they feel like they're obligated to then have to see it through to its ex, you know, final execution. Right. And, and telling clients that what Thomas said about it being a judgment-free zone, it's, you know, it's not our job to defend the goal. Right? It's just our job to help them build the framework around it to make it happen. And if over time, if the goal changes, that's fine. Um, at the end of the day, it's your life, right? You yeah. look, make it look like you want it to look. Yeah. Uh, but traditionally, planning hasn't really been approached in that sense. It's really like to your question about having a lot of money. You know, if you think about a balance sheet, right? We all go back to finance class or, or whatever from high school, you know, you have a balance sheet, you've got assets and liabilities, right? You've got what you owe and what you own on your balance sheet and the difference between the two is your net worth, right? It's pretty common. And the industry as a whole has tended to want to focus on that asset side of the balance sheet because that's how it's made money, right? It manages people's money that they already have. And I think where we're different is we insert this layer of cash flow kind of at the bottom as the foundation and help people with that first because at the end of the day, in working with younger people and how we respond to the question of what kind of planning can you do for younger people that don't have any money yet, yet being the key word, it's our job as advisors to help them get that cash flow onto their balance sheet and keep it there. Um, and it's just a different conversation that we're much more focused on people's cash flow and, and on their earnings potential and helping them work on that and maximize that to convert that cash flow into assets on their balance sheet. And as Thomas said, over time, as we develop the relationships with people and as they go through this process, uh, their balance sheets will grow. They will be very good clients, you know, five, ten years down the road as we've helped them do that stuff. I think from an ideal client standpoint, anybody who has an income and has the desire to be planned and to commit to a to going through that process of planning and has at least, you know, $100 a month they can save, we can absolutely work with them. It's important to remember that a goal is not a number. So traditional financial planning will have you believe that needs-based planning is really what matters. So they'll ask you questions like, how much money are you going to need once you retire? And nobody knows the answer to that. But the entire construct of our industry has been built around making people believe that they should and making people feel that they're out of sync or that they don't have real goals if they don't know. And what we try to do is we build a practice, we build a philosophy, understanding that your goal should be based around your lifestyle the desires of your heart, the things that you want to accomplish. And we look at a three-year period. 
and say, what would happen if, if three years from now we sat down and you knew that you were successful because all these things lined up? These are the non-negotiables of your life. If that were to occur, are you happy? Are you successful? That matters a lot more than having a number or a stated goal in, in terms of um, kind of the past and, and, and what has happened that has gotten to us to a place where a lot of people are retiring, a lot of people feel unsuccessful, a lot of people still don't have enough money, and the largest demographic that's going into bankruptcy right now is the retired population. And that's a problem when they had all the buffers and all the protections and all the safety nets, right? So we can't make those same missteps when it comes to this generation. So if someone reaches out to you guys to inquire about your service, what exactly does that, what does your service look like? I mean, is this a one-time consultation? Do they come to workshops? Do they, are they in some sort of curriculum? I mean, what, what are they signing up for? Ongoing planning. They're signing up for a subscription model, a membership fee, which is our planning fee. It's an engagement model. They're signing up for having ongoing events in their lives that they take place, you know, take part in, in our space. Um, being a part of planning that is not just once a year meeting but quarterly meetings and making sure that um, it's part of groupthink. So it's not just individual planning in the, the traditional sense where you meet with your advisor and you're going through this process but you're also meeting other people who are in the same vein as you are and you're discussing with them ideas on how to not just create wealth but how to get to a place where you have true financial freedom. Yeah, we're designing our office space downtown, and we should be moving in there in about two more weeks. Uh, we're designing it to be a place where people can gather and learn as a group. That we found that our generation as a whole, the group learning is just very a conducive environment for people to learn. You know, they're more apt to come to a group event um, than they are to raise their hand individually and ask a question. Right? They want to absorb information and then take that information and use that to then reach out to an advisor. Um, so we're designing the space like that to where we're going to be holding events there a couple times a month and there'll be networking events for people to come out and meet you know, our networks and meet and engage with our other clients but, and then we'll do a talk for 30 or 40 minutes on a particular topic um, so they can take away some information and some education as well. And the idea being, as Thomas said, over time, you know, as people encounter different life events or they you know, go through the different phases of life, we keep re-engaging in this process over and over again. You know, if you think about the average person, think about your own life, you know, between the ages of like 20 and 35 or 40, we make basically all of the economic decisions that we make in a lifetime in that time frame. Everything from when you get out of school or even where you go to school, to you get out of school, to what you're going to do for a living, to where you're going to live, to oftentimes who you're going to marry, if you're going to have kids and how many, and you buy a house, you sell a house, you change a job. You do all this stuff, right? And there's all these dollar signs that are attached to every bit of that. And again, the industry as a whole really doesn't have any way to help counsel people through that stuff. And so that's really where we want to fit is having a one-on-one -on -one relationship with an advisor that is like you, right? That research has shown that most people when asked prefer to work with a financial advisor that's within 10 years of their own age for just that reason because it just makes it easier to relate to right, yeah, where yeah. you are in life right than having somebody your parents age wagging yeah. their finger at you and spending too much money at starbucks yeah. but that's not the point <laughs> you and know it's been there before right sure, yeah, yeah, planning yeah. has been there but the community process that aspect of it and, and how meaningful it is to our generation that hasn't been there because there hasn't been transparency over finances and because of that so many people they, they believe that they're doing the right thing and they have nobody to bounce ideas off of who knows exactly what they're supposed to be doing. So, and to the point of, of what James is saying, 
we got to be there with that relationship because one of the things that's hurting this generation so much is the aggressive um, rhetoric that's out there about paying down debt. And if you think about it, if somebody spends 15, 20 years paying down debt, and at the end of the day, their debt is gone, but they also have no savings, exactly. that's a problem. So we see, and in, in just statistically, millennials, 86% of them are saying that they save money. But 67% of them say they have less than $1,000 in savings. So they're saving money in inefficient ways, mm -hmm. but they're also probably aggressively paying down debt, and it's leaving them feeling broke. So we have, we have to talk about that, but you're not gonna talk about that unless you have the relationship because a lot of people are embarrassed by the amount of debt they carry on that balance sheet. I know I am. Right. Um, what are you, I mean, what trends are you guys, you're making a lot of interesting points. I mean, what trends are you seeing among millennials? You know, I mean, they're getting out of college with crazy debt. We had, you know, Simon Sinek's thing was out recently, which gained a lot of traction. I mean, are you guys, I mean, what are you telling these guys that, that come to you like that? We love talking about them at the same time that we hate talking about them in the way that we've been talking about them sometimes right. in this interview because we know that they're not just one block, right? right. They're 80 individuals. million people. Right. It's yeah. really hard to put 80 million people in a box, you know, in, in, in terms of labeling them, you know, this this thing that does stuff all the same way. I mean, we know right. that's yeah. not the case. Yeah. Um, but I think, I mean, as a whole, sort of as a general rule, we're finding that uh, that demographic is really, really willing to be open and candid about their finances and about the things that they want. They're real clear on that. They have a good idea of what they want. And what they're looking for really is sort of an accountability partner to take them through a process of helping them be confident, right? It's that empowerment mentality where they feel like they are able to make decisions based on having access to information and then helping them get organized because think of yourself again we tend to make decisions in isolation you know you make decisions in silos so if you're buying a house you're buying a house based on you know where you want to live and maybe it's close to work and your kids school and stuff like that but seldom if ever have I seen an individual that's looking at that home buying decision in the context of the rest of their goals. So are they looking at it within the context of their college planning for their kids or the tax implications of owning that home or mm. you know, how that fits into their retirement plan or any host of other goals they might have. And so that's where we get good at helping people analyze decisions they're making within the context of a broader plan. And for most younger people especially, that's missing. That they make decisions sort of in a systemic fashion, one at a time, rather than making decisions in a environment of examining very carefully how they fit together if that makes sense yeah and going back to that uh chris and i we work with a lot of millennial home buyers and from our experience with the internet the inf the zillow all this information it's almost like they know just as much as we do almost like they do their research mm -hmm. uh, at least on home buying i would agree uh they uh, you know this client we just closed a couple weeks ago he he was on top of everything. I was like, "Do you have any questions?" And he must have spent. He probably spent like an hour a night just studying and doing the looking at blogs and doing all types of stuff. So yeah, there I mean, is I, definitely I think, information out. I think millennials. I think that is a broad. There's a way too broad of a generalization. You know, everyone in this room is is a millennial. Our wives are millennials. Uh, they own their own businesses. My wife's in the solar industry. Half the people in that industry are millennials, man, and they're all doing amazing things. So. 
I don't know very many people that just sit on the couch and eat Cheetos and all that stuff. <laughs> like, the stereotype. So, oh, well, uh, yeah. Other than myself. Yeah. But I'm watching basketball. Or, <laughs> it's not during the day. Right. I want to elaborate on something that you just said yeah. about um, research. That that is the basis of why the education for us is so important. Because you got to think about the average person today who is under the age of 35. That we have come up in an era where information has become more accessible than it's ever been in the past. And so we almost today have the opposite problem that a generation ago had, where a decade or a generation ago, working with a financial advisor was working with someone who had access to all of the information because it wasn't out there. The average person really couldn't get access to financial information to make decisions. Today, we have the opposite problem where there's so much information out there it's exactly yeah. it's overload and, and so information yeah and then yeah, a lot of misinformation yeah. and so the role of an advisor is to help parse through the information mm-hmm. to know the information and know how it relates to a specific client situation and be able to boil that down to make it manageable and make it actionable in a way where it's actually useful yeah and having yeah. somebody like yourself someone as an advisor can help that person because a lot of times they're going to get information overload and you got paralysis by analysis. Exactly. You overthink everything, Correct. and that's why having you know a trusted advisor is yeah. always going to be needed. So there's three things that I think all my clients should leave my, my office with. It's peace of mind, you know, clarity on the education piece, permission to go forward in some of the things that they wanted to do anyway before they got there, but we get permission by knowing that we have that backstop, we have support, we have protection, we know, understand our cash flow, and then execution. Right, so you have permission to go forward. How are you going to best execute that decision in a way that's going to, you know, entail efficient use of your dollars, highest and best cash use, and not make you feel guilty about a decision that you made um, for going forward with it? And if we look at that process of just giving them the peace of mind first, I mean, a lot of people out here they're stressed out of their board because everything is about debt. Everything is about if I make a car purchase, if I want to go somewhere or do something, I'm putting it on credit. Just do you have the peace of mind to go forward with your life? Which a lot of people, even though they're making these decisions, they really don't. So is your program, I mean, is this affordable for people that have a lot of debt? Or, I mean, you don't have to go into specifics, but I mean, what are the membership fees? And like, I mean, is this what people, can people sign up for this? Or is this another thing that they're going to feel hamstrung by? Or, I mean. And we don't mind, I mean, going into talking about the, the, the membership fees at all because Part of our organization, I mean, part of our, our value system is to be transparent. So up to $75,000, we're looking at $25 a month for fees for membership. Over $75,000, up to $150,000. Are you talking about income? Income. Okay. Income. income. Household, Household income. income. Um, $50 a month, um, $75,000 to $150,000. And then over that, we're looking at $75 a month. That's, that's awesome. That's not bad at all. Yeah. And then you tack on, like, individual counseling sessions or Mm-mm. no that's what that's, that's for. that's what that's for so the, the engagement fee really is there to do three things it's to help people you know come into the process so they have some skin in the game right that they're agreeing to go through the process so mm-hmm. we're not having to chase them down to get paperwork back and that kind of stuff because figure at that point they're paying for a service we hope they'll use it yeah it gives them access to having uh access to their client portal on their website so we have a, a proprietary organizational tool that we do our planning from um on our website that they can go in and we put all their data in there where they can see it and help them get organized, as I mentioned earlier, on the front end. Um, so they have access to that, and we have document storage and things in there for them, too. So they get access to that piece of software. 
um, that we will then do all their future work from. And then the third piece is all of the educational events that we'll do um, for members where they can come into the space and actually learn about you know, whatever topics are of interest to them. They'll, they'll get invites to those as well as having access to our networks. You know, we have yeah. a pretty vast network of professionals um, that they get access to. So if they need help you know, with estate planning, we have attorneys. Or if they need tax help, we have CPAs that we have in our network. Things like that where we can put them with yeah. people that we trust, that we've worked with, that we've vetted, so that they're not out there having to do all the trial and error of finding people to work with, that we will bring them in as part of that engagement as needed. And I'm glad you asked that question because part of the doom and gloom that comes with meeting with a professional is not knowing exactly what this is going to cost. Yeah. And part of our industry, what you know, we've been talked about ad nauseum, especially here with the fiduciary role and in the DOL standards that are out, is that our industry has these excessive fees, you know, behind a curtain that the clients never made privy to, but they're being charged. And because they don't know what those fees are and because they don't know how high they go with the range, they feel um, that they can't really trust or at least you know talk to their financial advisor or professional without feeling kind of milked time and time again. So we wanted to be as upfront as possible and that's our value proposition is make sure that people understand we're a transparent firm, but we're actually here for you for the long haul in a relationship basis, not just to sell you something or to, to charge you something. Yeah. Now, do you guys do, we've talked about, we've thrown around the, uh, the entrepreneurial word quite a bit. So how do you help someone make the transition to being an entrepreneur and then integrating that both into personal and business finances? Like, do you guys do that too? Do you help kind of? Well, I mean, I, I talk with every one of my clients about protection. Protection first is the way to go. It's a philosophy of our firm. It's important because you have to understand that without protecting your income today and protecting all of your todays, right, then going forward, you can't really have the freedom to, to embark on an entrepreneurial endeavor. And the way that that looks in terms of protection, if, if something were to happen to you today, you got disabled, then we have a policy for that, right? It's called disability income policy. If you passed away, then you have life insurance to protect your family. What happens if you lose your job? Is that rhetorical? Or? <laughs> <laughs> Is that rhetorical, please? Oh, God. If you lose your job today's, in, yeah. in today's yeah. age, you got to have entrepreneurship. Yeah. Entrepreneurship is protection for job loss. Can I, can I interrupt you right there? Yeah. So this hits home for me. Two months ago, no, what month are we in? Three months ago, my wife lost her job. She's doing uh, her own clothing company type thing, you know, LuLaRoe. Mm-hmm. She's, she's she's killing it. She's doing a lot better there than she did. She's, she's already almost made like half of her year's salary in like three months. So that entrepreneurship is served as an insurance policy almost. She's, exactly. working, she's working very hard, but she's generating her own income. But here's the best part about entrepreneurship. For the disability income policy to kick in, you got to be disabled. For the life insurance to pay out, you have to pass away. For entrepreneurship to add to your income and for you to be able to grow and develop yourself and build your empire, you can still work mm-hmm. at your corporate mm-hmm. job. So when we talk about entrepreneurship, I look at it as another form of protection. If we talk about protection first, entrepreneurship has to be in the conversation. Yeah. What kind of um, entrepreneurs have you guys seen and worked with? I mean, are we talking about people that have made products or like who are some of the clients you guys have worked with? Oh, at least I've got several entrepreneurs that I've worked with, but I tend to just work in the creative spaces, just that's sort of, for whatever reason, where I'm comfortable, and a lot of my clients tend to be in, in creative type of pursuits. 
Like making apps and stuff, or everything. Sure, everything from that for photography to graphic design, marketing, you know, business coaching, right on down the line. Um, but also, I'm going broader than that. I mean, I would say, you know, folks like attorneys and the medical professions is a big one for us because there's a lot of you know, young doctors coming out of residency that are you know making great incomes, but they haven't accumulated much in the way of assets yet. Yeah. So mm-hmm. nobody, nobody's talking with them. And you got to throw the, the entrepreneur into that conversation as well, right? Sure. So there are those corporate professionals or, or white-collar professionals who already love what they do, but as another stream of income, we can add on that layer saying, continue to do what you do, but invest some of those monies in other places, places that are going to have more benefits than just putting them, you know, ramping up savings or looking at your 401k. So sometimes an entrepreneurial pursuit is by somebody who loves what they do already with the school for it, but what's another outlet to make sure that your income is secure? When should someone feel safe to step away from their job? Are you asking them when people can quit their jobs? <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> just in general, I don't know. I think in a general sense, you, know, you want to have enough cash sitting aside in order to help bridge the gap. Yeah. The clients I've seen in my career who do that and who do it intentionally and set themselves up with that extra savings to help kind of pad the transition. And if you're in a relationship, having the support of your significant yeah, other or having another significant other's income, things like that makes the transition easier. Um, you know, the ones I've seen that have done it and have had it not work out as intended are the ones typically who didn't prepare financially as well. And it's more to it than just having cash in the bank. There's a lot of other considerations that come in, things like employee benefits, mm-hmm. health insurance, um, retirement benefits through your job, that there's more value in your job today if you work for a corporation than just your salary. And I think people mistakenly look at just income replacement mm-hmm. and ignore things like, you know, when you're self-employed, you're having to pay into Medicare and Social Security, you know, both as the employer and the employee. Uh, uh, did you know that, Chris? So, <laughs> I hope my accountant knows uh, it. That's all right. So there's a lot of just considerations and things to think about. There's a long checklist of things to go through to just make sure that you're aware of before you jump ship and pull the trigger. And to James's um, point, there's, there's far too many people who are passionate about entrepreneurship who jump ship without realizing that, one, protection is financially underwritten. So if you leave your job, you leave corporate America or, or wherever you're working at, you're an employee, and you have stable income of two years, and you try to get a disability income policy after you left, then you're probably not going to qualify for that. If you try to leave and you don't have a stated income and you try to get life insurance, it's a lot harder to get. So putting the right protections in place for you and your family so if you do fall flat, flat on your face or if something does happen, the worst case scenarios, you're actually protected out there in the entrepreneurial world of risk versus leaving and, and you just have all your benefits stay with your company. Yeah, it's much the same way as it was real estate. You know how hard it is to qualify somebody that started a new job. Yeah, yeah they got to be a self-employed person. Out. Exactly. It's sort of the same thing. It, be able to show the better prepared you are and the earlier you can start putting the right pieces in place, the easier that transition is across the board. All right. Well... Uh, James and TJB, I appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, the webs- How can people get in touch with you directly? The website is planwithblueprint.com. Uh, do you guys have email addresses? Uh, we do. I'm Jay Matthews at planwithblueprint.com. T. Johnson hyphen bean, like jelly bean, at planwithblueprint.com. All right, man. And uh, just kind of take us home. I mean, you guys are uh, hiring, right? We are. 
Absolutely. Uh, how can people inquire about working with you guys? So they reach out to us directly. Um, we both have LinkedIn profiles. Um, or go to planwithblueprint.com and go to the careers tab. Um, we're looking to hire people who are not just experienced financial advisors, but also inexperienced. We have a great process to be able to help you transition into getting licensed. And um, we want to make sure that people with the right heart for this industry are getting in because we also have a lot of young folks who are um, not in the industry who should be. I'll add to just keep an eye out over the next few weeks as we really get ramped up for our blog. We'll go live, so we'll start putting out content weekly um, that you can subscribe to nice. and read about what we're up to, as well as the educational events will start this summer. And uh, we'll have more information on the website as we start to build that out. We'll have an events calendar and the ability to sign up for workshops and things right on the website. Our yeah. building is going to be uptown, right behind the foundry, 7,000 square feet in the Cedar Hill building. Oh, yeah. Um, newly renovated. It's going to be an excellent space for us to have those events. But also, we're welcoming people to stop by and um, visit us. We open um, uh, probably July 1st is the best date to say that you can come on in. Awesome, man. So if you guys are out there and you're looking for advice and consultation and just learning more about the financial industry give these guys a, a shout blueprint uh planwithblueprint.com and uh thanks for coming on the jones zone thank you for thank thanks you for, for coming man yeah our pleasure thanks so much for listening to the jones zone podcast with chris and brian jones we'll catch you on the next episode